You're listening to a podcast from the Abbey Theatre's Oral History Project. For more information about the archive, visit abbeytheatre.ie. The Abbey Theatre opened its doors on the 27th of December 1904. The previous Mechanics Institute and an additional building on Marlborough Street had been reconfigured by architect Joseph Holloway, thanks to the patronage of Annie Horniman. The theatre had 562 seats, an orchestra pit and an intimate stage. Backstage was destroyed by fire on the 18th of July 1951 and for the following 15 years the Abbey Theatre moved its operation to the Queen's Theatre on Pier Street until a new building designed by Michael Scott and Associates opened in 1966. Here, actor Ronnie Masterson recalls the original Abbey Theatre building, including the lane in Old Abbey Street, which was used as a stage exit. When you crossed the stage, you went up a couple of steps and the green room was there. And it was a proper green room, you know. Um, And there was photographs all around the thing or whatever. And it was, somehow or another, it was connected with the pub next door. Lennon's pub, right. yeah. But um, if you went in, in the, you know, before the show went on, you went in the one and crossed the back of the stage because it was quite a small stage. Well, it was big enough, but there wasn't much space and there was very little space behind the set. And if you had people coming in a door there, you know, you were getting in that way into it, you know. Because if you left on one side, and because the stage itself wasn't too deep, and if there was windows or anything else like that, you couldn't cross behind it. So you had to go out in the dark and went up one stage and opened that door, went down the lane in the rain and came in the other side. Right. It was that us, was that wrong with it? There were six tiny little rooms that held one person and there used to be three people in each of them depending on how many people were in the show you know but um, it worked all right. Ronnie also recalls the aftermath of the fire in 1951 and describes the scene when she and husband actor Ray McAnally and stage manager Sean Mooney came into the theatre the following day. What we were faced with was when we walked downstairs the stage had nothing wrong with it except that the water was dripping off the stage down onto the piano, you know. And um, very few of the company came in to give a hand. And there was Sean Mooney and Ray, as I say, went out and bought yards and yards and yards and yards and yards of rope from one side to the other to the other to the other, and I was the one that was sorting out the the costumes. I had to make three divisions of them. The ones that didn't get wet at all were fine, put those on one side. The ones that were soaking wet, you couldn't save them. The ones that got a bit damp, that was where they went out and they bought the rope and went across the thing. And I sorted those ones out and gave them to Sean Mooney and Ray. And the three of us were the ones who did all the work. I mean, there really was. They just hung them up across the thing and I remember Ray walking on the back of the seats and I thought, for God's sake, will you watch what you're doing, Ray? <laughs> you know? But um, 
that's where they were. And there was a picture of them appeared in the paper. You saw all these things and all the stuff hanging on the, on the thing, you know. That fire led to a move to the much larger Queen's Theatre on Pier Street. Here, actors Derry Power, Des Cave and playwright Bernard Farrell remember the conditions of the building. What well, the Queen's was about a hundred years old when I when I went into it. Uh, the Abbey moved in in fifty one. I joined it in fifty five. So there were four years there. Uh, an actor went to his doctor because he had a sore throat, and the doctor said to him, "What coal mine do you work in?" The dust was fearful. It had never been, nothing had ever been done to it, it, it as far as I was concerned. But it was a lovely old theatre. Uh, it was, as I say, a hundred years old. The acoustics were very good, sight lines were good. It was, it was lovely, but it was just filthy. Nobody ever painted it. There was no money around. I was used to touring and building your own stage on porter barrels. So it was a luxury. To, uh, to come into the, the Queen's. And having worked in the Pike, which, I, I mean, it was 10 foot square, the stage of the Pike. So this was luxury to me. And I hadn't worked in any other theatres. I thought it was a lovely theatre. I mean, uh, to me, you know, it, I'd never, I mean, barring my little satyrion out in Dunleary Town Hall every Christmas, I'd never played in a big theatre. You know, that, that theatre of that size. And to me, it, it was a, a delight to play. I mean, they all said it was filthy and was run down and it, was, it needed to be. But, uh, there was a story that, it, that they offered to give Ernest Blythe the money to do it up, but he refused because if he did it up, they wouldn't give him the money for his new theatre across the road. It's the rebuilding of the old abbey are on that site. He, that's what he was, he, he, he was, there were 13 years in the Queens were, were in, in exile, in, at the Abbey were in exile in the Queens. And I think at another early stage they were up in the Rupert Guinness Hall uh, when the, immediately after the fire. So, so that, that, that to me it has fantastic memories. I mean I still think of it as the theatre so I'm not saying that the, that the present Abbey isn't a proper theatre, but it's whatever all actors say, they love the, the horseshoe and the, 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 the different levels, at least two or three levels of seating, you know. But I do remember that we, we never walked into the theatre and walked into the stalls. We always w walked in to, as you face the theatre, an opening on the right. You know, an arched opening, and we went up stone steps. And I think, I think there were two tiers, apart from the parterre, there were two tiers after that. I think in the in the Queens, and we used to be up on the top. So we didn't spend a lot of money. We they wouldn't have had a lot of money, you know, to spend. So we were never down. We were never in what you might call the parterre or the grand circle. We were above that again. So I remember seeing all plays looking looking down from from above, and. That is a memory, actually. I can't remember seeing a play flat on. You know, I would have always seen them as if I was up on the trapeze. And, um, but I remember the stone steps very well. And I also remember, um, and it wasn't just because I was just looking at a very old programme here that my parents had um, from the uh, Queen's, and there's a little note in it that says, um, this theatre has been disinfected by Jay's fluid, and it gives the, with um, 
a floral fragrance or something like that. But there was a smell when you were sitting down. There was certainly a smell as you walked up those stone steps. And I think it was a smell of disinfectant, which was probably everywhere. And that would be because things like TB was something that would be out if you were talking about um, the 50s, the early 60s. Actors Stephen Ray and Niall Buggy recalled that the Queen's Theatre was let fall into disrepair as part of a strategy to allow for a new building and recall the famous Abbey Theatre gong, which began every performance. But part of the reason why the Queen's was so um, run down was Blythe knew that if he fixed it, they wouldn't build a new place. Yeah. Right, so they just let it go. You know, they were, uh, they were in flitters down there. You know, it was a, a mess of a place. Fleas. Oh, yeah. Dermody accused me of being a method actor because I was scratching. So one of the things that was very, very interesting was it was the, the Abbey at the Queen's was a kind of part of an Ireland now gone. Yeah. And it was, it was a relic of the past, really, even then. Do you know what I mean? And that the, the actors were stuck because they, they couldn't move on. Because nobody was, there wasn't, you know, what would Blythe know about oh, no, moving no, no, a theatre no, no, into, no, the, no, no, into the 60s? Yeah, no. That it, you know, so it was that, you know. Absolutely. And, but the, and then the other thing that I think is interesting as well is that the Queen's was part of the music hall tradition, yeah. So, and I, one thing I did want to say was that, I mean, the McShane's, Ronnie McShane was a props oh boy. God, Do you remember yeah, him? Ronnie, yeah, yeah, Ronnie. yeah, yeah. And Ronnie was part of the McShane family yeah, who yeah. were old music hall. And his aunt was Kitty McShane, yes. who was uh, old mother Riley. Riley in, she was yeah. Arthur Lucan yeah. and Kitty McShane. Yeah, yeah were a musical, high, widely I successful I didn't know that she in, was in England. Yeah, yeah, oh God, yeah. Um, old Mother Riley and Kitty. Yeah, yeah. Kitty, she played as, she was married to Arthur Lucan, but she was his, she played his daughter yeah, uh, yeah, when he yeah, was yeah. dressed up as Old Mother Riley. And so it's a world that's just not, that ease of movement and... I also think that it was uh, very much, as you were saying earlier, it was part of people's lives as well, you know. Um, uh, like with O'Casey here in Dublin, everybody could quote a line. Everybody in Dublin yeah. could quote a line from an O'Casey play. Or they know, you know, you know, we have a dog called Joxer. You know, it's not because I'm in the theatre. You know, it's nothing to do with that. Mm. Which, uh, it, it was so famous. May Craig, for instance. Was n- would oh, walk down the street and they'd say, "How are you, May? How are you? How are you doing, May Craig? Yeah. Right, May Craig, Mrs. Tancred, Mrs. Tancred." Yeah, they yeah, know yeah. who she was as Mrs. Tancred. Yeah, she yeah. was the famous Mrs. Tancred. So it was sort of, it was a different world, wasn't it? Can I, can I just say the one thing that happened in the uh, in the Queen the Abbey at the Queen's that doesn't happen anymore? The gong. Oh yes. It's yeah. it's just one gong means. I think we we'll sit down in your seat or something. Yeah. Or two gongs, house lights are out. Three third gong, gong, curtain up. Curtain up. And there was always a curtain. There yeah, was always yeah, a curtain. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just, yeah, that's yeah, just the yeah, way. There was yeah. that old style yeah, theatre, yeah, you know. Yeah. There's no question about that. The move to the Queen's brought different audiences to the Abbey Theatre's work and even led to some changes in the repertoire, as Kathleen Barrington and Bernard Farrell observe here. In the old Abbey, I mean, there was really, it was Yeats, Shields, you know, and occasionally, I mean, they occasionally did Shakespeare. I mean, there's a wonderful Barry Fitzgerald as uh, Lear playing Lear, 
marvellous production of Lear, apparently. But there, it was a bigger auditorium. You di hadn't quite your little faithful audience that always went to the Abbey. You had to generate a new audience. And I'd say that's when John McCann came into his forte. And in, well, we called him Jack. He was Jack McCann, but he was John McCann. He was Donald McCann's father, ex-Lord Mayor of Dublin. And he wrote a number of plays, I Know Where I'm Going. And, and they were hugely successful. And they broke the, you know, the three-week rep thing. I think I Know Where I'm Going. It went on, I think, at least three times. I think ran for something like 10 or 11 weeks. He was hugely successful. So yes, it was, it was a different type of play, but still the Abbey, the Abbey repertoire as well. I know one of my early parts was, uh, was Deirdre with Pat Laffer playing Nisha. So yeah, we had a varied rep. The conversations that I had with Tomás McGanna, uh, who was a great friend of mine and a great um, encourager of me, he used to talk a lot about the Queens and he said because it was always a boulevardy kind of um, theatre before the Abbey went there, the audience um, there would expect a great, a great time because it was the Theatre Royal or the Queens, you know, probably those, those two for that, and the capital, that's right, um, for, that, for that kind of uh, in entertainment. And um, I think that the audience that they inherited, the Abbey, when they, when they went there, the kind of a raucous one, you know, that would nearly be throwing cabbages if they didn't like it. Well, not quite that, but, you know, pretty near. After 15 years at the Queen's Theatre, the Abbey Theatre Company moved back into a new building on the original site. The building was designed by Michael Scott and Associates and was opened by President Eamon de Valera on the 18th of July, 1966. 15 years to the day. Kathleen Barrington, Des Cave and Niall Buggy describe the excitement and the mixed feelings around the move to the new building. For Kathleen Barrington, the new theatre was magical. Remember, like, the, the Queen's was old and shabby and run down, I mean, sort of sagging seats and, it, you know, there wasn't money to spend on it. And Blythe, I have to make, pay a tribute to Ernest Blythe, he held out until he got enough money to get a new theatre. He actually could have done a job on the old Abbey and he refused to do it. He said, this is my opportunity to get a really new theatre. So Michael Scott designed it and it was like going into Wonderland when we saw it first. I mean, the stage. Now, they were obsessed by the stage. I don't know if you know that they had lifts initially in the stage. And every director loved using these lifts. And lifts were going up and down at a rate of knots until actually in one of the shows, Niall Bucky, he was, I think he was 17 at the time, it was his first part. He, he was totally blind. And instead of staying on his mark, he moved and his toe actually caught in one of the lifts. So uh, they managed to extricate the, the toe, and I went to Jervis Street Hospital afterwards with him while they had it. So there was a ban on, on lifts going up and down after that. But we had, we had nice dressing rooms. We had lights around mirrors, you know. Uh, it was wonderful. The only bad part of the design, I would say, is that there was no entrance stage right. There was no room stage right. 
So everything had to be taken on and off stage left, which was hugely limiting for, you know, for designers. Also, the acoustic wasn't anything as good. It, you had to use far more voice. If you were in the back rows under the balcony, that was the dead spot. So if you managed, I remember directors would deliberately sit there and see if your voice was carrying to there. And if your voice carried to there, then everybody in the audience was going to hear it. And an interesting thing, we, later we went to the old Vic with Well of the Saints. We all had to bring down our vocal levels by yards, literally because we were using the sort of voice we needed for the Abbey. It was one of these old Victorian theatres, again, beautiful acoustic, and it was a joy to play in. So yes, you did have to push. I think the new rejuvenated Abbey, you know, with the changes, the acoustic is so much better there. But the excitement of finding this, this new, um, what we all, I would call it, uh, Bauhaus theatre, German-style equality thing where all the seats were the same. No balconies, no boxes, no, 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 where the, the thing was laid out. Oh, mind you, it was still fan-shaped, but it was based on the German system where everyone can see and everyone pays the same price. I actually remember crossing the bridge with the, oh, I mean, I was much, with the older actors to go to this building and I remember walking onto the stage, but I particularly remember Philip O'Flynn saying to Tomás McCann, who was out in the auditorium, so is this the end? He was so upset. He was so disappointed. And it was palpable and it was absolutely horrific and horrendous for a young actor to observe this from the older actors who had been in this theatre, the Queen's Theatre, for all the 15 years, I think it was, and uh, to come back to this. I mean, the whole point of the... One of the points of the Abbey, I should say, was its intimacy. And the old Abbey had... Obviously, it was a small theatre and was very intimate. And the Queen's Theatre was, an, was also an intimate theatre compared to this theatre. So it was a terrible shock. And it was very, very sad to observe them and to observe their, uh, their disappointment, really. Yeah. Horrible. Horrible, you know, because I admired these people so much and I, and I was so excited for them that they, that they had a new theatre and then... The, the way one had to communicate here was much bigger than the way one did it at the Queen's. It seemed to be much bigger. Um, and the stage itself was so enormous. So intimacy seemed to go out of the window. But as, as actors won't, it didn't take them that long to adjust and to find a way of dealing with it. And of, and of uh, McCanna and various other people, Hugh Hunt, uh, to, to, to find a way of working that stage as best they could. Mm. And I think what's happened to it now is, is, 
so much better. I mean, it's, it's great what's been done to, to, to this stage. In response to the vocal and acoustic challenges of the new stage, director Patrick Mason was brought in as a voice coach. We finish with his description of his first meeting with the Abbey Theatre Company. As it's kind of fairly widely known, after you know the, the company moved into the new theatre, by the sort of late 60s, early 70s, they were all having vocal problems. I mean, the acoustic was disastrous. And they were all suffering. Um, you know, having been those in the old Abbey, it was a perfect acoustic. In the Queen's, it was a, it was a magnificent acoustic for the spoken theatre. It was very similar to the Royal Court. You know, good Victorian theatre architecture. And the, the, the new building is a hand, an acoustic in the hell. I mean, just appalling. So they, they were all in trouble. And this had grown into an idea that there should be a voice coach to, to help in the company, and also to teach in the School of Acting, which was, was still active then. Father Lamb was then heading up the school. And Lelia Doolan had just been appointed as artistic director, which was a very radical appointment. And Lelia um, had you know, taken this on board as a, an absolutely essential development. So anyway, um, I walked into the rehearsal, and i never forget it, because the entire company, the old Abbey company, all the players were there, all the staff were there, uh, there were undercurrents, you know, because there was a lot of uh, unease about Lelia's appointment and all this sort of thing, and that old Abbey company were not exactly feminist in their outlook, if you can see what I mean. Anyway, anyway, I kind of, Lelia said, oh, hi, come sit down, you know, and I'll introduce you, and I sat there, and I looked at this room full of people, and I thought, oh, my God, what on earth, you know, have I done? And she introduced me, and before I could open my mouth, a very senior member of the company, who was actually Eamon Kelly, who turned out to be a, a good friend over the years, got up and launched into this speech about how they have taken everything from us, and now they have come to take our voices from us. They being <laughs> me. <laughs> and there was uproar. There was uproar, you know, 800 years of oppression and all this sort of stuff. And there was uproar in the room, you see. And Pat Laffin actually leapt to my... I hadn't said a word. Pat Laffin leapt to my defence and attacked him, and this was a disgrace of all this sort of stuff. And I was sitting there holding my briefcase thinking, oh, God, <laughs> this is a disaster. And Pat Laffin said helpfully, and now, what, give us a few tips now. What, you know, what, what will you do immediately? <laughs> Some idiot here says, well... He says, um, you know, I think the first thing is you should avoid, you know, smoky places like pubs. <laughs> They're all gagging to go across to the plough for, for, their, for their pints, you know, at lunchtime. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Abbey Theatre's Oral History Project. For more information about the archive, visit abbeytheatre.ie.